Mobile is the future. Use it to power up your profits. Welcome to Mobile Power and Profit, presented by Rumble. Our show focuses on the latest news and information impacting mobile marketers, publishers, and technologists. We speak with the power players of mobile monetization. WebmasterRadio.fm presents Mobile Power and Profit, presented by Rumble. Please welcome our host, Wen Tu. Welcome to Mobile Power and Profit, presented by Rumble, the ultimate platform to run your mobile business. This is your host, Wen Tu, and each week we discuss a key aspect of the mobile industry with the mobile thought leader. An organization's resources are very limited, especially for young companies. One of those resources is time, which easily runs out in a day full of meetings. So what are the differences between a good and a bad meeting? But most importantly, what kind of insights can data provide managers today to run a more productive business? With us today is Jason Shaw, the CEO of Do.com, a real-time collaboration platform that helps companies run productive meetings. Before creating Do, Jason founded INeedAPencil.com, a service that provides free online education tools to students from low-income families. Welcome to the show, Jason. Thanks so much, Juan. Excited to have this conversation. Great. So the mobile revolution has forever changed so many parts of our daily experiences, um, and even in business with a lot of enterprise apps that are rapidly growing in the market right now. And while many organizations struggle to see the potential of mobile enterprise apps, the big promise is even higher when it comes to just really looking at their own productivity. So what do you think has been the impact of mobile in the workplace thus far, and where do you see it going? Well, I think that the impact of mobile in the workplace honestly can be understated. If we just think from first principles, now every employee has a device in their pocket or on their wrist for that matter, and the amount of data that it's either collecting and then sharing back to the enterprise in some cases, the ability for workers to communicate with one another literally 24-7, which of course has some negative effects too in terms of you know separation between work and life you know there there's really no way you can understate it because this is completely different than even 10 years ago when you know that many fewer people had you know the iPhone only came out in 2007 so mm-hmm. it hasn't even been 10 years if you can you know imagine that so we're just getting started the impact can't be understated when we talk about data connectivity the ability to work on the go or work remotely there's just so many things that are happening in the space that are really changing the nature of work and as a result having a big impact on the quality of ideas, the speed of communication, and ideally the, the speed of impact and the scope of impact that employees and their, their companies can have on the world. Yeah. So with your company, Do.com, you've worked with many different companies to really mm-hmm. look at productivity and especially how mobile can be a piece of that. So can you give us some examples of how, when you work with companies, how mobile really helps productivity of each of their workers? Definitely. So you know, as you mentioned, Do is focused on meetings and specifically making meetings more productive, better, you know, shorter when they can be, which is definitely a savior for a lot of knowledge workers who are stuck in you know, unproductive meetings for hours every day. So mobile specifically has been, you know, as we were already talking about, really important to that mission. So specifically, some employees, for example, will on Monday think of something that they want to bring up in the Friday meeting. And, you know, in a desktop world or in a less connected world, they would either just have to try to remember it or send an email to a colleague, just creating more work for people. 
with do, they can just pull out their phone, jot down the idea, and, and it basically attach it to that meeting. And when Friday comes around, they get a reminder automatically, and it you know, is a good example of technology augmenting uh, human yeah. potential. Right, So they can do things like that, or if they're, say, out of the office and unable to make the meeting, you know, in many cases they would have to wait until, say, the meeting was over, and then maybe, maybe not, notes get circulated, and then they can, you know, again, they have to email or call separate people and almost have a meeting about the meeting just to be caught up. Now we have people pulling out their phones in those situations, following along as a meeting is occurring. Not necessarily, They don't have to dial in necessarily. They can just see the notes in real time if they're unable to join a meeting. And they can actually jump in and you know, mention a coworker and say, Bob, are you sure about that strategy? Or even, again, if they don't participate, they just know what happened because of the way that the technology works. And the last example I'll give is on the Apple Watch, for example, if we dip into wearable territory, Super simple technology where halfway through a meeting, we do a light buzz of the wrist just asking, you know, are you on track with this meeting? Yeah. And, you know, it's not in your face, super lightweight, but it, we find that keeps people more mindful. And as a result, you know, across all these different use cases, we find that, again, mobile is having a huge impact on one's productivity and ability to, to be more effective at work. So not to be too go to lux about this, but sometimes people say that devices and technology actually gets in the way of yeah. having a very productive meeting in which people are just reading their emails, not really paying attention. And because we're always connected all the time, it infiltrates the meetings and then you have to have meetings about meetings about meetings. So mm-hmm. where are you from, you know, folks who say to have a very productive meeting, everyone put their devices in this box and you can't touch them and we'll have a real conversation to, you know, what you're sounding like. Apple watches are on, you're getting alerts, you're getting emails. Like where on the Goldilocks sort of spectrum do you see is the right balance? Well, I, I think like many things, you know, moderation is key. So mm-hmm. the more extreme case where yeah, every phone is buzzing, every laptop is open doing something else, that's certainly not the reality that we're trying to create for people. Mm-hmm. It's what we were talking about earlier in terms of augmenting human potential. So if, if you're going to be you know, taking notes, why not take them collaboratively in real time in a way that's connected to the calendar? Not let's have 10 people on their laptops responding to emails um, as opposed to having the meeting. But it's a fair point in that the problem that we're trying to solve and many others focusing on mobile enterprise and, and really making people sort of better workers, it's a people problem as much as it is a technology problem, right? So you're absolutely right to bring it up. You know, if for example, if I'm having a meeting with one other coworker, it would be a silly use of technology to worry about, let me plug in the dongle and get the WebEx set up for just like a two-person meeting where if we're both in the same place, that's you know misappropriation of technology. So we do our best to make sure that it's not you know technology for technology's sake and yeah. always focus on actually solving a tangible problem and you know in the watch case you know maybe nobody has their laptop out but when that light buzz comes across 30 minutes through a 60 minute meeting you know it can help prevent you know bob from accounting going on for 45 minutes on some tangent about baseball because everybody realizes oh that's right we only have 30 minutes let's get back to the matter at hand so you know we're on the goldilocks scale i would say right down the middle but focus on moderation focus on what is the right use of technology not here's this technology, let's find a way to jam it into every use case possible. You know, getting to the just right 
Goldilocks scale of, you know, making sure that the tech that you introduce into meetings is actually helpful. One point you made is just number of people on the meeting itself. So two, obviously too little. What is sort of the right size you think where you feel in your experience, technology really helps? We do find across the spectrum, sometimes there's use cases. So if it's a two-person one-on-one, somehow, you know, manager and their employee, you could argue, no, there's no room for it. But we find that it's just a different use case, meaning during the, say, two weeks that pass between one-on-ones, the report can, you know, the employee can put in, you know, oh, I'm worried about this. What, you know, how are we going to accomplish this? And the manager can see that. But then when they actually meet, maybe they just go for a walk outside and they don't need to have technology front and center but they used do or some other technology ahead of the meeting to you know be in touch and understand what they're going to talk about so there's that and then there's a giant meeting you know maybe with well there's probably much larger ones than this but say with 20 people where it gets harder and harder to integrate technology in a seamless manner our sweet spot though to answer your question would be ideally four to eight people where you know there's enough people to start to have some coordination problems so therefore technology can be used to address those, that's the sweet spot. But like I said, you see different use cases depending on the, the number of people. And again, we encourage people to use our product in the right manner and not, again, misappropriate it such that it makes work even worse than it could be otherwise. And it also sounds like another theme I hear as you work with clients via do is that people have to really adopt whatever technology you introduce, whether it's the one-on-one reviews or everyone has to have a smartwatch on to get the alerts. How do you sort of make sure that the technology you have is going to be as widely adopted to actually make an impact? So to be clear, we don't require everybody to necessarily say have a watch or even use, you know, say do.com on the web or on their iPhone or iPad insofar as there could be four people in the meeting, one person is kind of the driver, right? So they might have up, they might be screencasting with, you know, Apple TV or Chromecast or anything else, just, you know, plain old dongle. So we've designed the product in such a way that it it actually doesn't require everybody to use the product in order to get value, right? Then everybody gets the notes afterwards, but they never have to even pull up to if they didn't want to in some cases or if they didn't have something to contribute. But then the product grows in value so if more people use it. So the second person who joins can now add an agenda item in real time if there's something that they're concerned about without having to interrupt somebody who's already speaking, for example. So there's ways that we, you know, we don't require everybody to be on board. So this way it's really seamless and it provides value to everybody. But we do certainly continue to increase in value the more and more people in a given meeting use the product. So we've been talking about mobile productivity in the workplace with Jason Shaw, the CEO of Do. Stay tuned. We'll be back shortly with more mobile power and profit right after the break. Stay tuned for more mobile power and profit after this brief profit timeout. InternetMarketingNinjas.com is the online dojo of the highly trained and skilled Internet Marketing Ninjas. Disavow documents, reconsideration requests, Panda and Penguin penalties. Let our superior SEO ninjas confront all of your link-related issues. The Internet Marketing Ninjas are equipped to master any marketing exercise, content creation, authorship, link building, PPC, and more. Plus, build more buzz for your brand with our social media marketing strategy. Discover all that the Internet Marketing Ninjas can do for you. Visit the online dojo now at internetmarketingninjas.com. 
Internet Marketing Inc. designs fully integrated digital programs that improve brand experiences and grow businesses through valuable data insights and strategy across all types of media. Paid, owned, and earned. Their digital experts nimbly adapt strategy by providing you a comprehensive view of your brand's online audience and program performance. If you are looking for a data-driven approach to online marketing and advertising, call Internet Marketing Inc. today at 866-563-0620 or visit internetmarketinginc.com. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investments. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at box speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. Giving you the power to increase your profits. This is Mobile Power and Profit, presented by Rumble, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Once again, here's Wen Tu. Welcome back to Mobile Power and Profit. Jason Shaw has been dishing out lots of advice about optimizing your productivity at work using mobile technology. So Jason, in the last segment, we talked about how technology can really help us have more productive meetings. But should technology help us have less meaningless meetings to begin with? In having less meetings, doesn't that increase productivity? Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's the same concept as, you know, if we have technology that helps you manage healthy eating more and more and we help you avoid bad snacks or something like that, we wouldn't be doing our job if we said, oh, here's a less bad snack. You know, you probably should be cutting out a bad snack from your diet anyway. I'm not sure if that metaphor really hit home, but the the point is that you're 100% right. A lot of meetings just shouldn't happen in the first place. And in previous years, we've seen different tools, whether it's email or something like Slack or other tools start to eat the idea of a meeting and say, why don't we just do this asynchronously and then only escalate to a meeting when it's really necessary. So we 100% believe that if we're doing our job correctly, we will also lead to a decline in meetings. And we have a product oriented around this where it's called Do Insights, which we can chat more about. And it sends a report to employees and companies every week saying, this is how many meetings you sat in. This is how much time and money you've wasted. And here are some suggestions on how to cut down on those. So this is where, I guess, technology really helps in which in the first segment, we talked about how it helps facilitate a meeting, but the data that you inherently collect with the technology actually helps um, a lot of companies make a lot of decisions. So how can companies benefit from tracking this type of measurement, productivity from using technology to understand sort of what their employees are doing in meetings and whatnot? Basically, right now, companies are driving blind when it comes to how employees spend time. You know, there's no real system for tracking that. You kind of just trust people and you, you manage people and you hope you hire good people to begin with. And that's where it kind of ends. And this segment of work has kind of been left untouched while we have analytics for 
you know, sales and operations and other things like that. So what we're able to do is using technology, expose information that is technically there buried in the calendar, but nobody really thinks about or has the tools with which to efficiently analyze. So for example, for a company, we can say your sales team met, you know, this much with engineering this week, and it could be zero times or something like that. That might expose a disconnect culturally in a given company. We can show managers across their entire team of 10 people or 50 people. You know, these are people who are having the most meetings. These are people who aren't meeting with anybody at all. And you could at least do a gut check. Does that make sense? And if it doesn't make sense, again, you can step in. And on an individual basis, you know, we're showing people 90% of your meetings are created by other people. Well, that's interesting. Like, you know, if you have a role where that makes sense, great. But otherwise, why are you not in control of your most valuable asset? Why are other people, the same way email is kind of a public task list for other people to ask you to do things, why is your calendar becoming effectively the same thing where other people can put holds on your time? And instead of having, you know, eight to 10 hours to work in a day, you're shrinking that down to two hours because, you know, that's the only time you have free of meetings. So taking this really rich data set based on calendar information, who you're meeting with, how long are you meeting? You know, we've shown companies 90% of your meetings are more than an hour. That probably is a symptom of something that's wrong as well. And companies, as a result, change the defaults in their calendaring systems to 15 minutes, 45 minutes, things like that that can cut meeting time in half and double your amount of free time as a result. All of this data has been there forever, but nobody really has the time, ironically, to sit and pour over their calendar and analyze how time is spent. We're able to do that automatically through technology and deliver those insights to people's inboxes every week and really guide and, and drive better work behavior as a result. So a lot of what you're telling us, like the data has always been around, just no one took the time or had the tools to collect it. But some of it sounds like gut. You sort of know you have a lot of meetings. You sort of know <laughs> who's always the one creating meetings and things like that. So as you are working with your clients and helping them with their productivity in these reports and these metrics that you give them, what are some of the most consistently surprising things that your clients have sort of discovered about themselves or what metrics have they honed in on as sort of a leading indicator of how productive their team is? Again, it's known intuitively, but without the data behind it, it's hard to do anything about it. So I might feel like, oh, I'm out of shape, but I don't really, if I'm not weighing myself, if I'm not checking my heart rate, I don't really know. So it's hard to do anything about it. So time spent is a big one. Also, just there's interesting patterns across the course of a week. So between Monday and Friday, we can show you by day, you know, when are you or when is your team the busiest? And so if, for example, you start to notice, wow, we have a lot of meetings at the end of the week. Maybe we should actually be, those should be happening earlier so we could actually follow up on things and we don't kind of mess up the momentum we might be generating mm-hmm. towards the end of the week. So there's things like that. And, and I think there's, again, as you said, a lot of this is known intuitively, but the real power comes from, shining a light and giving people a way to continuously track and improve. When you think about the data that you're able to collect and really show sort of the instinctual stuff, but also some surprising things about team behavior with your clients, what other things do you feel that the data that you're able to provide your clients can use it for? You know, the more a company uses the product and an individual uses the product, it goes beyond calendar data, right? So it starts to tap into data actually used in do. For productivity. So, for example, we can tell, are people actually even creating agendas for their meetings? Do people even have a purpose that they're driving towards? That's something you, you wouldn't be able to get off of a calendar alone. We can tell which proportion of your meetings have 
follow-ups generated. And if there are no follow-ups coming out of meetings, you know, why are you meeting in the first place unless it's meant to just build rapport or meant to just distribute information, which is better done through a channel like email or, or others. So the more and more people begin to go from, okay, here's just some data on our calendar to here's data based on how people are actually working. Again, and those same follow-ups, how long does it take a you know, follow-up to go from a follow-up to what we call an outcome, in, in which case it's done and complete? That gets to be really interesting. Like, why, why are our average meeting follow-ups taking two weeks to get done? What's the pace of our business in a way that you can't measure? You, you know, it's kind of silly to measure email volume and velocity because you know it's not necessarily a good thing if you're responding to emails on average within a, one minute. You know, that means your employees are just sitting in their inboxes all day and not necessarily doing higher order work. So the data is really exciting, and I think we're just starting. You know, there's been a lot of buzz thrown around about whether it's big data or people analytics, but we really believe that going forward, tracking the right metrics, ones that are already asked for in business, will actually open up big opportunities for people to be more productive and enjoy more work as a result. Yes, well, it definitely sounds like do helps companies, you know, really participate in the measured self trend in which you can't fix it unless you can measure it type of mentality. So it sort of sounds as I hear you talking about how you've worked with clients that there seems to be a journey that every client has to go through. Um, The first part being just adoption, facilitation to actually filling out forms and using the software so that you can collect a minimal amount of data. And then as people use whatever technology they've chosen more and more to actually track key performance metrics that can really help them with their business. How long does that process usually take? Because everyone knows data is helpful. Everyone sort of agrees that technology can be helpful, but to really use it well and to sort of get that big payoff at the end, how does that normally look like with clients that you work with? Well, I mean, it happens quite quickly, actually. I mean, what happens is it's, of course, gradual, as you said, but as soon as a company starts getting value, they're, they're hooked, right? So as soon as you sign up, actually, we those insights we were just talking about, they're automatically generated based on past meetings. You don't even have to be using do, and we can go back historically and provide you that insight. And then you run your first meeting, and it's it's shorter or it's better, or people actually get things done. They, they say they were going to get done because of the follow-ups and those reminders around those. And so it just builds on itself. So uh, we actually believe instantly people get value, but then over the course of, the first meeting, you know, there's different milestones. The first meeting, the completion of the first week, where then you know you start to really feel the, the impact, and then you get again the data reinforces it the following week, and then your coworkers start signing up, and then you go from one percent to five percent to ten percent to eventually a hundred percent of a company using the product, and then it just reinforces it. Right, it's a really powerful moment when you ran a meeting last week on do, and then one of your colleagues is running one the following week that you're sitting in and not even managing as a meeting. So. It honestly happens instantly, but we see this long arc of continued value as people use the product. Wonderful. So this has been Jason Shaw from Do, sharing about the kinds of insights that data can provide managers to run a more productive business. Keep listening for more Power and Profit. Stay tuned for more Mobile Power and Profit after this brief profit timeout. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. 
Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. When you started your business, you first listened to your professors. Now that your business is growing and gaining ground, you only seek out professionals. PPC Professionals, an industry leader for highly optimized search marketing campaigns with over 30 years of combined management experience. Our professional approach to every campaign helps you find every avenue of revenue so that you can not only stay ahead of your competitors, but get a return on your investment and increase your bottom line. PPC Professionals, personal, professional, PPC services. PPCProfessionals.com. Introducing Rumble, the smart mobile management system, the first end-to-end mobile platform where you can make real-time app modifications from a point-and-click dashboard. Want to change the design of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Want to change the ad map of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Want to change the content mix of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Power your mobile business with Rumble. Are you ready to rumble? Visit www.rumble.me. Giving you the power to increase your profits. This is Mobile Power and Profit, presented by Rumble, only on webmasterradio.fm. Once again, here's Wen Tu. Thank you for staying tuned with Mobile Power and Profit. So I've been talking with Jason Shaw, CEO of Do.com, that really brings productivity to light in the workplace using mobile technology. Um, So Jason, although email is known to be sometimes a big productivity drain. Most businesses still can't move away from it. Why does email kill productivity so much, and what can we really do about it? Well, I think you know earlier we were talking about what's a technology problem, what's a people problem, right? And I think it's important to think about this at a fundamental level where it's not, you know, in my opinion, it's not email itself, right? In, in theory, this is an amazing thing that's available to us. You could just type something and send it to anybody in the world, and you instantly receive it, that's powerful at a very fundamental level. We don't think it's powerful anymore because we're inundated with all these other cool, new, shiny other technologies that we've built in the you know decades since email was first invented, right? But so it's, in our view, it's not necessarily a, a email, but it is a reflection of how people use email, right? If I need an answer to a question, maybe I should be able to answer that question myself. Maybe it's been answered before and I just need to search my email or something. But you know what? I'm just going to email Stacy and ask her for it because it's faster for me to just type one sentence and ask her. But now she's got to do a 10-minute task to go find who is the creator of it, CC them on the email back. And I just generated you know 30 minutes of work maybe by the end of it because I didn't want to spend two minutes of my time as opposed to one minute of my time. That's a bad use. Or when, you know, sometimes people don't even have an ask at the end of their email. They just write a super long email. And it's, to be honest, I I think that it's how people use email rather than email itself. And you're right, it's probably not going away anytime soon because it's such a widely adopted, entrenched platform. And sure, those things have been removed before. But in part, it's, I think, because it's a technology with SMTP and IMAP that makes it so universal rather than, oh, it's not about Outlook or Gmail or Apple Mail. It's, it's not about which, which product takes advantage of email. It's, email is a protocol. It's just really powerful and entrenched. Maybe the products will evolve, but for the protocol to be able to just message somebody instantly across 
the world or whatever, that's not going away. So what can we do about it? I think if we have that in mind, that it's about how people are using email, there's, of course, behavioral change that people can take on. But again, that's, that's difficult because email is just a reflection of whether it's, you know, somebody is a politicking type of person or they're lazy or they're verbose in the way they write things, you know, that's very hard to change. Going forward, I think that the things that we can do about it have to do with behavioral change. So employees, given how core email is, it's kind of amazing that in onboarding, employees learn how to use the HR system, but they don't get taught how we can effectively email one another during the workday. That might change in the future. People will learn how to use the tool, right? So there's behavioral change. There's new tools. So whether it's moving internal emails over to something like Slack you can make meeting agendas and share files and do, and now you don't have to email saying, hey, let's talk about this at Friday's meeting. That limits it. And it's not just about shifting it to another tool. Those things actually reduce the need to communicate about something because the information is just ambiently there. So that's actually progress, not just moving numbers around. And between behavioral change and and the adoption of new tools that can lead into, quote, the email problem, I think over time we'll start to see people use the tools more effectively that we have and start to reduce these things that we think are really harming our work life and view them as the valuable tools that they are. So talking about productivity, you said it very clearly. It's both the people and technology issue or solution, depending on how you look at it. So I'll ask you, even though you come from the tech side, would love to hear from you on the people side. What do you think are the most important first principles when it comes to the people side of making, whether it's emails or meetings, more productive? Sure. So I think for both, I would say that first, ask yourself, what is the purpose of what I'm doing? Do I need to send this email? Do I need to have this meeting? And if so, what is the purpose? And let's communicate that clearly to everybody so that you don't have five or 10 people wondering, like, why are we even meeting? So as people, we can be more mindful. If we do that, then when we're, say, in a meeting, we could be or for that matter, responding to an email or reading one, I think we can be more deliberate. So once you're in the meeting, okay, we know the purpose. Now let's get it done. And how do we get it done? Let's break down the steps and and go after it, as opposed to, again, in a meeting, first five minutes are just small talk or waiting for people who are late. Then you say, okay, this maybe you say this is the purpose of the meeting. Is the whole team on board with guiding towards that? Do they know how to get there? Or is it just you state the purpose and then all is lost? And then after the fact, right, after a meeting, why, if you get 10 people in a room for an hour, that's 10 hours of labor effectively. If nothing even happens after the meeting and people were just for the sake of saving face saying they'll do something, it was a complete waste of time. And so people have to be diligent after the fact to follow up on these things and make sure that the work actually happens so that progress is made. If we do that, I think people can actually make the most of the emails and meetings that they do need to have and combine that with reducing probably both of those things. Together, those things make for a better workplace. And as a final question, on the flip side of productivity, you said that it was both people and technology that comes together to really help with productivity. So what are the first principles that you would espouse to people when it comes to technology and boosting productivity? Well, the first I would say is, it sounds silly, but pick the right tool. So a lot of times people just, they heard about this thing and, and they try it and that's fine because um, you kind of have to try things out to figure out what works. But then in many cases, people get stuck using the wrong tool for a given problem. So for example, if your goal is to collaborate with people in your notes, you know, people have heard of Evernote, so they might pick up Evernote. But Evernote is largely for personal productivity as opposed to say something like Google Docs or 
uh, Office Online or, or other products that are meant for more of a collaborative environment. So when it comes to the technology, picking the right tool matters. And then secondly, I would also just say um, leveraging the tool in the right way. A lot of people just get going with the tool because they just understandably want to move along and solve their problem. Many people don't take the time to learn the tool and figure out how to best apply it to download the mobile app for Trello if you're using that for tasks so that you can always access those tasks. And then they wonder why they're not actually doing the tasks that they had jotted down there. So picking the right tool and learning the tool so that you can actually use it in the best possible way, I would say are two really important pieces to actually solving the technology piece of the people and technology aspects of any given work problem. Great. So that was Jason Shaw, CEO of Dude.com, giving us his first principles of the two most important factors of productivity, both people and technology. It's been great having you on the show, Jason. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. And to all our listeners, remember, you can find this and more podcast episodes of Mobile Power and Profit in the iTunes store or simply going to mobilepowerandprofit.com. Tell us what you thought of today's episode on social media using the hashtag RumbleMPP. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Mobile Power and Profit presented by Rumble, the ultimate platform to run your mobile business. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.